Welcome to Smiling Homeschooler Podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and this week we are joined by author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I can't believe you just said that, Ginger Hubbard. She has some practical and encouraging parenting advice to share, and we know you're going to be encouraged. Before we start, I just want to say thank you to Teaching Textbooks for sponsoring the Smiling Homeschooler. They help make this all possible, and we really appreciate their support. So go check them out over at teachingtextbooks.com. But let's get going. Here's my dad, Todd Wilson. We are, and you can see that I have lost my t-shirt, and now I'm into the hoodie now, and uh, it won't be long before I get my puffer jacket out, and then I wear it until May. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it is cold and rainy up here in northern Indiana, and I think all day today, every time I walk outside, I'm, I'm like, stinks <laughs> stinks um uh, my wife and i we spent a couple days in a warm wonderful climate last week or this past week and uh we felt refreshed and then uh because my wife was starting to get stressed out by christmas and all the things that come along with that and i thought i should do a meme where as you know as we're having we're in love and we're feeling good and then the plane lands and then there's this big green monster with stress written across his chest, ready to embrace my wife as we step off the airplane, um, because that's how it kind of felt. Um, but we're gonna just jump into things because uh, I'm gonna tell a story in just a few minutes. Um, but we have a special guest uh, today, Ginger Hubbard, and uh, she's written some great books. Don't make me count to three. Wise words for moms and. Uh, we're gonna kind of talk about one today. She wrote, I can't believe you just said that. And so Ginger, it is good to have you on the show. Hey Todd, it's wonderful to be on with you. I appreciate you allowing me to be. Well, hey, uh, everybody can hear that you do not sound like a normal person from Indiana. <laughs> normal person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, why don't you tell us just, you know, maybe those who aren't familiar with you, who you are, tell us about your family, you know. Okay. Well, obviously I'm from the South. You cannot hide Southern. I live in Alabama. (laughs) So about as Southern as it gets. And I am married to Ronnie Hubbard. We've been married about 10 years. And when I married him 10 years ago, he came as a package deal with two boys. Mm. So between the two of us, we have four adult kids all in their 20s. And we all reside here in Alabama. Well, except our oldest son. He actually is a chef in uh, Tennessee. So he moved north. Yes, he so did. Terrible, Not too way far north. Way no, north to Tennessee. That's worse. still south for us. That's still yeah. south. Yes, it does get a lot worse. In fact, I was talking to someone and someone emailed me last week. Oh, they're having me come to Fairbanks, Alaska in January. And uh, this is like a month ago and they had already had six inches of snow. Mm. And I'm like, oh man, that's miserable. (laughs) Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, we're gonna talk about your book. I can't believe you just said that. And you know, there are lots of great parenting books out there. why another book? You know, what makes your book different from other books or that makes it stand out and is unique? Yeah, well, Todd, as a national speaker, I have listened to parents all over the country express their heartache over their inability to 
tame the tongues of their children. They say that they've read the books, they've tried the advice, but they're still frustrated because it just seems like nothing's working. And so, and I can't believe you just said that. What I've tried to do in that book is expose some of the faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart, and then equip parents with biblical principles and uh, sort of provide them with like a toolbox full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in a practical way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of great parenting books out there, like you said, and many of them uh, are really good about talking about what the Bible says about parenting. But I found that so many of them really offer that information that that moms and parents need most, which is how to practically apply those scriptures to the everyday struggles that their children are facing. You know, but that's and- what I wanted to do. Well, that's awesome. Well, we're we're talking to the audience here is is like all homeschoolers, and I know sometimes they what you're talking about goes so hand in hand together, mm-hmm. um, because you know I know moms are concentrating on math and all these other things, and they can barely get their kids to just sit still or to obey or to if I turn around they're gone and and you're <laughs> you know and they think I've got to do the important things when the important things are the things that you're talking about right now. That's right. Um, but and, I'll that's tell the, you- and that's the beauty okay. of homeschooling is that we can, we are with them all the time. So as these mm-hmm. situations arise and as they're struggling with different issues, because we're with them all day, we get to be the one that helps them through those struggles. Well, I think this timing of this interview is a perfect time because um, I was just writing a, an email to our email list and uh, some of the people who are listening are on it. Um, but we, my wife and I were at the airport this weekend. We were coming on our way back. And, you know, it's amazing what takes place in an airport. Um, but as there were just two families that I happened to watch as they were dealing with their little kids. And uh, one, one family, I think there were, there were like two single moms, and they each had one child i think and they they were about that two to three years old and they were all over the place in fact i even snapped a picture of them you know incognito because the mother she sat down on the ground in front of the chairs and she put her you can see me she put her kid in like a scissor lock in between her legs and so but she didn't do it like it was a big deal she did it like she just scissored them in there and started feeding them things and gave them an iPad. And I thought she just did that so she wouldn't have to worry about, you know, what their child was gonna do in that one second that they might. And then my wife said, as we're walking out, she goes, oh man, did you see those kids in there? And I'm like, and I said, what kids? And she said, man, there was there was like this little girl who looked like, who was just like a beast. She used that word. She goes, <laughs> the parents looked like they were hurting, you know, cattle like they were just trying to keep her i thought we contained. asked you not to share the story about us no, I'm just <laughs> that's just right sorry, names continue. have been changed yeah, right. to protect the innocent and so they came back uh they were sitting right next to us or right across the little way and this they took this little girl who was again maybe three maybe not even that they sat her in this seat and then the mom and the dad and it was the grandpa they sat right in front of her like they were forming a human fence. And the entire time, which is probably 45 minutes to an hour, they stood there, they never moved, and they were like on guard, just in case. They gave her the iPad, and because really, both these parents had, they had raised little monsters. And by monsters, I mean amazing children. But, I mean, they were just out of control. I'm sure the parents were miserable. 
you know, the people who are around these kids are miserable. You know, how did we get here? How has a nation, how has a church, how have we gotten here, you know, to this point in our parenting where we're just out of control? Mm, we are. And, you know, you, you know as well as I do that we live in a nation that defies God at every point, including child training. And, you know, Todd, I don't think it's that parents don't desire obedience and respect from their children. I, I think all parents uh, desire that their kids obey and speak respectfully. But so many of these parents, you know, like what you witnessed in the airport, they just fail to achieve those results. And I believe that reason is twofold. I think that the first problem is that so many many parents in an attempt to get their children to obey have adopted these faulty child training methods which focus only on the outward behavior of their children but fail to address the heart. So many parents have just developed this philosophy that if they could get their kids to act right, to behave, that they're raising them the right way. But there is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue, a love for God, a love for what's right, rather than a fear of punishment. So I believe that failure to reach their hearts is the first problem. And then I think the second problem is that parents are, they're just not following the instructions in the instruction manual. <laughs> I once heard Roy Lesson compare God God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. You know, think about it. When you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual, tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, well, the customer is encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. It's the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being, and he has given us instructions in the Bible for how it operates best. And when parents experience problems with training their kids, he's also given us open communication with him through prayer. And he tells us that, uh, according to James 1, 5, that when we ask him for wisdom, he promises that he'll give it to us. Well, I'm going to actually, I've got two questions for you. The first one, my wife is spun from myself and just, you know, I know there's a lot of moms out there who are in the same moment, depending on the day. Uh, my wife called me the other day and for some reason, you know, uh, maybe there is a technical reason, but the kids were just falling apart that day, you know, and she calls me and she's like, I can't do it. They're terrible. I'm angry at them. They're angry at me. I just don't know what to do. You know, and I came home and, and, you know, and, and it ends up, it was fine. You know, we worked it out and the next the rest of the days have been fine. But what would you say? And they gave them up for adoption. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, go to your local uh, whatever and you can you can see Orphanage. their names. No, uh, no, never. But, you know, what would you say to the mom who just is in that moment right now, you know, because I think there are probably seasons for everyone to some extent. Um, sure. What would you say to that mom as a little bit of encouragement? And I had, yeah, and I had so many of those days with yeah. my own kids. We have good <laughs> days and bad days. And it seems like some of those seasons of bad days just go on and on mm -hmm. and on, and we're never going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember, you know, when my kids were little, just being shocked, probably like your wife was that day, uh, just by some of the things that would come out of their mouths, yeah. whether it was whining or lying or talking back or whatever. And I can remember looking at my kids and asking this question, like so many moms ask, why do you act like that? But after a closer look at the word of God, I began to realize I was actually asking the wrong question. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, 
what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Our sin, it does not begin with our mouths and the way that we act. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in, in, our, in our words and in our actions uh, comes from inside us. And it starts a whole lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so I believe that when parents truly grasp just the origin of sin and the total depravity of the human race in general, we no longer have to question why our children sin and why they have these bad days where it seems like we're having to train them in the same things over and over and over. And it just doesn't seem to be working. So I slowly learned to stop asking asking, why does my child sin? And instead I begin to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like I am in need of a savior? How can I really help him to understand and live in that transformational power of Christ? So, you know, obviously the Bible you know, is the foundation for all of this. Um, and you, you say it is the best instruction manual, which I would agree with. What about some of those, you know, verbal kind of uh, things that children do that maybe isn't specifically called out, you know, like maybe like whining or things like that? What would you say uh, how the Bible addresses that? The iPad is not yes, mentioned the iPad. in the there Old you go. or New Testament. <laughs> Actually, there is. It says the apple of my eye and the tablet of my heart. So you got both of those. Right back to back. Boom. There you go. There That's where it Apple is. wins it's over there. Android. So <laughs> yeah. So there are some things that we, as parents, we might think. Well, you know, my child's struggling with this, and I really don't see where the Bible addresses that specifically. And you know, you mentioned whining, and for a while, one of my children really struggled with whining. If there's one thing that can really get under the skin it's whining. And so I could definitely relate and sympathize with parents dealing with that particular annoying verbal offense. And you're right, you know, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about whining, but the Bible does talk about self-control. And if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control, especially for the younger kids. Uh, so when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to just acquire something that she wanted, well, I know that moms love scenarios. So let's just say, let's just use an example let's just say that my daughter Alex comes into the kitchen when she's little and rather than just simply asking for a cup of juice she whines for it which is typical and so I would just ask her a very simple heart probing question something like honey are you asking for juice with self-control no you're not God wants you to have self-control even with your voice and because I love you so much I want to help you get that self-control so here's what I'm going to do and this is what I did in our home I had a little timer that I a little kitchen timer that I kept with me and I said I'm going to set the timer for three minutes and when the timer goes off then you may come back and ask for juice the right way and so you see I reproved her for whining I had her suffer the consequences of having to wait three minutes which can seem like an eternity for a small child and then most important I'm going to give her the opportunity to come back and ask for juice with self-control which is an issue that is addressed in God's word all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart so we're being wise as parents when we learn how to reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart because then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective and you know one thing about whining too is I've noticed here lately like you Todd just observing people in in Walmart and the grocery store and air, airports it seems like kids today 
they're not just whining when they want something. It seems like so many kids today just whine as a general mm. means of communicating. It's like it's become an absolute epidemic in America. And so I found that this same sort of plan can work um, with that as well. So say that mom's driving the minivan and, and little uh, Johnny is strapped in the back seat and he's not necessarily whining asking for something. He's just whining as a general means of communicating. So, you know, same sort of little plan here. Just, honey, are you talking with your self-controlled voice no you're not and so i'm going to set the timer you don't even have to timer now we have our cell phones you can just set the timer on your cell phone when that timer goes off then you can come back and we can have this conversation now i know too that there's probably a lot of moms out there listening to this right now thinking yeah okay well that might work with your kids but you don't know my kids after that three minutes is up, my kid wouldn't come back and ask for juice with self-control or my kid in the back seat wouldn't come back and have that conversation with self-control. Well, you know what? Natural consequences. You don't get that cup of juice. You don't get to have that conversation with mom or dad until you're willing to communicate with self-control. So I found that was just a, a, a good little plan. And, and I, when, when parents are consistent with that, it'll pretty much revolutionize your home when it comes to whining, when we're consistent with that sort of training. Mm. That's awesome advice. I appreciate that. Um, but before we keep going, uh, I just want to say really quick, uh, thank you to Teaching Textbooks uh, for making the Smiling Homeschooler possible. Uh, we've worked with them a couple years here now just because we believe in their math curriculum. And as uh, Lisa said here in the chat, I love teaching textbooks. I recommend it to everyone. And we agreed with her. And that's for years we've been doing that before the Smiling Homeschooler. And so it's very natural, uh, natural partnership here. Uh, if you, you know, are unsure or haven't used teaching textbooks before you can go to teachingtextbooks.com they have a free trial a sample lesson uh, they have family plans and you can do it from basically any device that has an internet browser so your child can you know do it on a laptop smartphone tablet or anything else uh, it's just we find it helps kids learn really really easily and retain it and it's also fun so head on over to teachingtextbooks.com homeschooling made easy that's, that's right, right. <laughs> hey uh you know but, but you know Really, in everything you're talking about, even when you're talking about whining, um, you made a, a point about, you know, like the society seems like it's a whining society. It is. It's kind of that whining kind of feels like I'm a victim. You know, I'm a victim uh, of circumstances or whatever. Why don't I? Why can't I go do it now? I'm. But really, we're not just correcting it. So they. Uh, stop whining now it really is for as they become adults you know we used to say to our kids you know uh you know i want you to obey me so that when you get older you can obey god without question without you know and we would do that with our children really we want our kids not just so they're not whiny people but so they don't whine to god you know when he asks them to do some because he does ask them to do some hard things and i think god still just wants us to obey happily and cheerfully Yep. And I rarely do that. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, in your book, you kind of ad address different verbal offenses like lying, tattling, whining, and complaining. And you offer a, kind of a three-step plan for dealing with each one. Tell us about that plan. Okay. Well, step one is heart probing questions. And the reason for that is if you think about it in all the stories in scripture, so often when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. 
Instead, Jesus would often ask heart-probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus was a skilled heart-prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and situations going on around them and onto the sin in their own hearts. So for each verbal offense, I offer just two or three very simple suggested heart-probing questions that's going to help parents reach past that outward behavior and really pull out what is going on in the heart. And it's not that they're the only questions you can ask. I just know um, sometimes as tired, busy moms, sometimes it's nice just to have some questions right at our fingertips just to get us going in the right direction. And so then in Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24, we are instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. Those verses say you were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on your new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. So step two is what to put off what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on how to replace what is wrong with what is right. So after going through these steps, then how can the parents, uh, you know, get their children to actually implement the kind of the principles that you are pointing out and, you know, drawing out through these uh, things you're being taught? by requiring them to actually practice that biblical alternative to the wrong behavior. Here's the thing. It is never enough to just verbally instruct our kids in what not to do. We have to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior. And then most important uh, and beneficial is when we have them actually go back and do it at that very moment. So when we require our children to physically practice that biblical alternative to the sinful behavior, we're actually teaching them how to apply God's word to daily life. So for example, say that a child uh, speaks disrespectfully to his parent and the parent says, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. You see, that is ineffective child training because Actually, the most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and discipline the child who's speaking disrespectfully. We want to um, have him come back and practice the biblical alternative by communicating the right way, by using the appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many kids, particularly mine as they were growing into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression. When we train our children in what's right and require them to practice what's right, we're teaching them how to grow in wisdom and we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations. And so in my books, I refer to this as the practice principle. And Todd, can you imagine trying to teach your child how to tie a shoe without the practice principle? Hmm. No, I mean, just verbally walking him through that process, right. that's right. not going to be enough. At some point, you're going to have to physically demonstrate how to do it and then require him to practice it on his own. So if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral task as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? Hmm. Well, I mean, practically, how does that practical practice work? I mean, what does it look like then? Well, like say that the child spoke disrespectfully, you know, mm -hmm. you want to talk through, you know, it's okay to rebuke and say you were speaking disrespectfully. And if they're really mad and fired up, sometimes they may need a little bit of time to cool off. And so, you know, maybe you do need to go in your room. And once you've had time to cool off, then come back and let's have this conversation again in a way that 
that we're showing respect for one another and mm. uh, we're speaking to one another with self-control. And so it's just a matter of having them come back and do it the right way, just like with whining, you know, give them that opportunity after the timer goes off to come back and communicate the right way with self-control. And so I just think that's a, I think that role-playing and the practice principle, having them come back and practice, uh, you know, what you're trying to teach them that's going to be really beneficial because you're teaching in the context of the moment and the greatest benefits come when teaching is done in the context of the moment because they're actually learning yeah, in a hands-on yeah, situation yeah. and what a great again you know if you're if you can if you only have limited time in your homeschooling time these are the important things mm -hmm. um if you have to let you know math go or you know not cover everything this would be a great thing to practice and maybe run through some of these scenarios and say, now, how would you, how would you approach us? You know, come to me um, in a respectful way and then have your little, and really the littler they are, the more pra you can do that practice, maybe more, uh, uh, more fun. I mean, if you got a teenager, it, it gets a little harder to like, okay, now let's practice. Right. You know, <laughs> I when you do this, they're, they're, they're not. It's going to be a little harder. It's easier right. to do this when they're younger. So, sure, absolutely. Well, one question I had is, you know, um, I, I've heard people mention things like, well, that just not specifically this, but things like this sounds really uh, strict. I'm afraid my kid is going to resent me or be angry. You know, what do you think the key ingredient between do, being strict and causing anger and resentment long term and being consistent and you know, building that relationship at the same time with your child and that's going to bear fruit, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the ways that we provoke our children to anger is when we only uh, mm -hmm. rebuke them and we only administer consequences because, mm. you know, consequences, they have their place, but they're not a substitute for training. And so I think our kids respect us more instead of just saying, you know, this is what you did wrong and this is the consequence. We're actually exasperating them when we do that and we're provoking them to anger because the scripture says that parents are to train them up. Uh, in the in the instruction of the Lord, and so when we only give that consequence, we're not we're not training them up in in good instruction. And also, I think that you know we're gonna our kids blow it with us sometimes, but but we also blow it with our kids sometimes. And I think that we need to to demonstrate uh, and model for them humility when we blow it. You know, I I know. Um, you know, of course, I'm not talking about myself here, but <laughs> <Never> <laughs> no, no, seriously, I, I did blow it quite a few times with my kids. And, and it really, God used those moments, even when I blew it, instead of just beating myself up about it, which I have a tendency to do in those moments, I would sit my kids down and I would say, you know what? The, the, the angry way that I just spoke to you, it, it did not show respect for you and it did not honor God. Will you forgive me? Let me try that again in a way that does show respect for you and does honor God. And so see, that is modeling for them what the conviction of the Holy Spirit looks like and uh, how we're to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that when we're having those conversations with our kids in humility and we're practicing what we're preaching, you know, we're asking our kids when they do something wrong to, you know, let's come back and do that the right way in a way that does respect mom and dad and, and does honor God. Um, when they see us willing to do the same thing, to go back and, and let me try that again, then that's not going to provoke them to anger because mm. it's not a double standard. 
Do you think that, you know, in a, in a parent who maybe feels like they've been too lax or not being intentional about a lot of areas maybe or quite a few, do you think they should tackle it all at once or should they take it, you know, step by step and just start working on one thing, like maybe specifically whining, you know, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yep, it does. It does. I think if someone was listening to this and they're, you know, sitting there thinking, oh, man, I've just blown it. I haven't done any of these things. I've only been rebuking and given consequences. You know, it is never too late. God's timing is always perfect. He knew when you would be listening to this message and, and when he would lay it on your heart to start implementing, you know, this kind of training that does not provoke kids to anger. And so I would just say, sit your kids down and say, you know what? You know, God has just um, really convicted me that I've not been training you the way that I should. I've been allowing you to disobey. And, you know, honey, I just love you too much to allow you to disobey. And, you know, talk about, I would say not tackle everything at one time. You know, kids aren't struggling with all these different issues at one time, but say that they're struggling with disobeying or speaking disrespectfully or whining. Um, go ahead and talk about, you know, that the one that you really want to tackle first and a plan, go ahead and communicate, you know, what that plan is going to be, what the expectations are and your motive is because you love them so much that you want them to learn to obey because when kids obey their parents there's blessings for them in that and they're happier kids you know think about it the kids that that are you know that we see in the airport that the the moms having to you know hold them down with the scissor legs and and they have no self-control and and no respect they're not happy kids you know, that's a sad thing when we live under the, the authority of our parents, when kids live under the authority of their parents, they're living under the authority of God. And that is a place that God has promised blessing. Mm. And so, you know, if you're just now hearing this and you want to implement it, just sit your kids down and apologize. And you know, I haven't been training you the way that I should forgive me, go over the new standard, go over what's expected and then move forward. You know, God's mercies are new every morning mm. and, and go about this training with love and gentleness and patience and know also that it's not a one-time fix. You know, this is not going to be a one conversation thing. This parenting is ongoing. Uh, we have to, um, you know, be willing to have the same conversations over and over and over and then pray that God would uh, take those seeds that we're planting in our kids' hearts and grow them up um, in a way that they're going to love the Lord and they're going to desire his will for their lives. Well, in the same way that, you know, this is not a one-time process for our kids, it's really not a one-time process for us. This is a, because I know their moms are like, and dads who listen and like, oh yeah, that's what I need to do. And then, you know, they go in and it just starts again, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as they get off this podcast and it starts again. And, and so they need kind of, a, they need some weekly encouragement or daily encouragement. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you have a podcast parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Mm -hmm. How can, how can they listen to you? Yeah. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard uh, podcast. And it's a weekly podcast. We air a new episode every Monday. And our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents uh, to reach beyond outward behavior and address mm. those issues of the heart and most importantly, point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And then from a practical standpoint, we are just super passionate about helping parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and into a more confident and biblical heart oriented approach to raising their kids. Mm. So that's what we're all about on the podcast. And where would you send anyone who wants to pick up one of your books, where would you like them to go? 
Uh, I'd love for them to go to my website. They're, all of my stuff's sold anywhere books are sold, but obviously it uh, helps support the ministry more when they get them directly from me. And so my website is gingerhubbard.com. And uh, Todd, if they want to use the code parenting, I'll give uh, for anything that they want to purchase through my website, just uh, at the checkout, enter the code parenting, and I'll give all of your listeners 10% off of anything they want. All right. That's a deal. Yeah. Not as good as like a Dairy Queen coupon, but hey, it's good. It's still good. Um, well, Ginger, thanks for joining us. And maybe we're going to have to do this again because I yeah, know there are a fun. lot of other parenting things that we could talk about. Okay. And thank you, uh, I know there are a lot of moms out there listening who are, are encouraged. And I hope they take advantage of your resources. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me, Todd. Thanks for listening to another episode. Don't forget to share the show with your other homeschooling friends and also leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening in on. Also, again, I just want to say thank you to Teaching Textbooks for making this possible. They're an amazing math curriculum and company. I would encourage you to go check them out over at teachingtextbooks.com. Have a great week, and as always, keep smiling.